Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. All right. If you have your bulletin, you want to pull it out, I want to welcome our online folks as well. You should, uh, we have a bulletin on our church website. You can certainly access that and follow along here. Today we are going to be looking in the book of Psalms, Psalm we are going to look at some pictures of what a godly father looks like. Being a father is something that God created. We call God our heavenly father. That is his name. We can pray to him as our father. But we need to know as men and as well as being a son or daughter how to relate and act towards your father. It is one that these principles we see here in Psalm 4 do not just apply, obviously, to men. They apply to women, too. So we're going to see here the importance of, of many ways, the, the value of reflecting on our life. Let me explain that. Psalm 4 is what we call an evening prayer. Psalm 5 and I'm actually going to be preaching on Psalm 5 next Sunday, that is what we call David's morning prayer. So if you're at home and you're laying in your bed at night and maybe you're restless, you can't sleep, Psalm 4 is a perfect prayer, a perfect psalm for you to read. And it speaks to you at night. God created the night. He created darkness for the purpose for us to sleep. It's good. It was part of His creation, the, the morning and the evening. And many times for us, we can waste our nights. What I mean by that is your nights should not be a time of just sadness and thinking of everything you maybe didn't get done or things you need to do. God wants us to be thinking of Him. Men, the standard for being a godly father, a godly parent, a godly mother, is actually your relationship with the Lord. As you become more devout, as you increase in your holiness, by that your your fatherhood, your ability to lead your family, shepherd your family, make wise decisions for your family and your spouse and your children, your grandchildren, they naturally just come into fruition. They come into place. I went back last Sunday, I went back and I listened to the sermon from our guest preacher. We were so fortunate to have Dr. Todd Gray, who's our executive director of the Kentucky Baptist convention who was right here in this pulpit last Sunday and I want to encourage you if you didn't hear that you need to go back and listen to it and the reason why is he spoke about basically him coming to faith in Christ one of the most important things for a man a father a grandfather a great-grandfather do is to see that their children come and accept Christ as their Savior get saved and become a young disciple and a growing disciple in the Lord. And he shared that he grew up out on the western side of our state. If you remember that from Dr. Gray's message. But then he 
was sort of raised in church, but not really. But then he got a job in Indianapolis. And he says what happened is he had some neighbors. If y'all were here, you remember. He had some neighbors, literally, they felt a burden to share the gospel with this young man. He was like 21, 22 years old. And they went across the street, told him about Jesus. He accepted Christ, was baptized in their local Baptist church, and just and grew spiritually. And every year, he said, for the past 30 years as a believer, he has seen spiritual growth. But I want you to know, what did it take? He says his parents did not lead him to faith in Christ. There was a neighbor, a godly couple, that had a burden. They were convicted over leading their neighbors to faith in Christ. Are you convicted over your family knowing Jesus are you convicted? Convicted means you, you're restless about it. There's a stirring in your heart. Now think about it. This coming week is VBS. Maybe your children, your grandchildren, they need to be here this week. Every week, I will be teaching a Bible class. Every class on every day in my class, children have the opportunity to pray and receive Jesus is their Savior. Say, so why do you do it every class every day? Because I've learned with Bible school. People are busy. Just because they come on Monday doesn't mean they'll be there on Tuesday or Wednesday. They might show back up on Thursday. A lot of times the kids, you only give them like, it's five days a week, but you might only give them three or four days. So you want to take advantage of every opportunity when children are in front of you of telling them the importance and the good news that Jesus saves that's where fatherhood starts. God is a heavenly father who wants to see his children, us, we are children of God, saved and growing in our relationship with the Lord. And that is our example for our family. So I want, just, I want us to turn here in our Bibles. Psalm 4, verse 1. This is a psalm of David. David wrote this. He wrote in verse 1, Answer me when I call. God who vindicates me. You freed me from affliction. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. David is addressing his psalm, his prayer to God. It was kind of bold. He's saying, God, I want you to answer me. I don't want prayers to go unanswered. Men, are you tired of unanswered prayers? Are you tired of crying out, calling out to God? You think, I'm not experiencing the presence of God. Deliverance isn't coming in my family. Lord, do a, new, do a mighty new work. And that's his prayer he's saying here. Verse 2. How long, exalted ones, will my honor be insulted? Now this is interesting. David shifted. He was first one talking to God. Now he's basically talking to men. But this is an evening prayer. What that means is this, he's at night. He's in... He's on his bed. He's crying out to God. He's alone. And he's saying, these people, they've insulted my honor. How long, will this, how long will this continue like this? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Now he's not talking to God there. He's talking to men. He's saying, if you aren't careful... You will pursue a lie. Do people pursue a lie today? 
What would be a lie today? A lie today, it uses the word worthless here in your Bibles. Men, that is when we work, 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 work. We have event after event, to-do list, activity, hobbies, and you're just working and working and working, and you're a busybody, project after project, and you come to the end, and you think, what do I have to show for this? I put all my time and energy in investing and making money and working hard to provide for my family, but I failed to provide for what's most important. And that's your family needs you to be a spiritual, godly husband. A spiritual, godly grandfather. You know, when you come to Broadway Baptist Church, we have 14 active deacons now. They were deacons meeting yesterday. You should know who those men are. They're supposed to be wearing their name tags around here. And not only that, you should see them serving at our church. These are men that aren't just to attend a meeting. They're here to be engaged in ministry. They set an example. I can think about my home church growing up. I... My parents, we do the same thing growing up. Sherry does. We do the same thing every year, week after week. You come to church, you walk in the same door, you walk down the same hallway, go same Sunday school. I mean, it's just how it was. So I walked in the same door, and there was a nice senior adult man who had his name tag on that said deacon. He stood there. The man never missed. Passing out bulletins, patting me on the head, telling me each week you're growing up. And I guess I was. Every week I was growing up. I mean, I don't even remember his name. He probably didn't know my name. I recognized him. He recognized me. I knew I was going to see him. There was a faithfulness with that gentleman. That is what we see here in the Bible. That is something that's not worthless. Men, there are things in our life that we can pursue. And it's worthless. And God says, David says, it's a lie. This is the king of Israel. This is an extremely wealthy man. So if anyone knows anything about value, it's David. This man got anything he wanted, snapped his fingers, and it was there. It was at Israel's strongest point. God called him a man after God's own heart. That's what he was referred to as. And he's warning us, his evening prayer, I'm not going to live my life for a worthless lie. There's going to be value and importance. Verse 3. Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call him. There's a confidence with David. He knows when I pray to God, God's going to hear my prayer. God's going to know what my desires are of my heart. Be angry and do not sin. Do you know any angry people? Have you ever met someone who's mad? It says if we, have a, if we get angry, you know, even Moses in the Old Testament, he got angry and he killed an Egyptian. If you get angry, it is so important that no one knows you're angry and you do not sin. Because if you're angry, you will find yourself doing and saying things that break God's law. Words come out of your mouth that you regret. If you're going to get angry, don't sin. Don't let it cause, don't let it go down a road that you will lead to 
to great regret. Many men might struggle with this. Reflect in your heart while on your bed and be silent. Does it say watch TV while you go to bed? Does it say to scroll on social media? David is saying when you go to bed, you need to have a time of reflection. You should be thinking about what it's like. Do you know the average human, when they lay down, I read this, I read a study about it, one of these sleep studies, it should take them 20 minutes to fall asleep. And they said this, this is what's wrong. If it's taking you longer than 20 minutes to fall asleep, then that means you might be going to bed a little too early. You're not quite tired enough. And if it's taking you only like one or two minutes, anybody here takes one minute you're asleep? Anybody fall asleep in church already? Okay. Anybody sleep right now? All right. That means, Cher, you raise your hand. If you're falling asleep in under 20 minutes, that means you're sleep deprived. So for your 20 minutes, you think about that. How long does it take you to fall asleep? The Bible says for your 20 minutes that you should be laying in your bed. should not be a time of watching TV. David, King David says, reflect in your heart while on your bed and be silent. Silence. It should be your time with God. You should fall asleep thinking about the Lord. That is an evening prayer. Not about other things. Not 30 seconds later. It should be your time with God. David says that's what he did. Look here at verse 5. Offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us anything good? Let the light of your face shine on us, Lord. You ever hear that today? Folks are asking, what good is, what, what good is going on here in Lexington in 2021? What good is happening in the world? And, and David says, God, let your light. I want people to see me. Men, you be a godly father that your, your family knows that's a man who loves and is faithful to the Lord. He sets an example, it says, in righteousness. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. Meaning, even these are farmers, so even when the grain and the wine, when the vineyards are ready, they're ripe, God has actually put more joy there's more happiness, not because they have a great crop, not because their business turned a profit this year, but because their hope is in the Lord. I was, um, we, went, we were in South Carolina last week, and um, I'm a history guy, and we went to Charleston one day. I had to talk Sherry into going in there, going over there from Hilton Head Island, which is about a two-hour, 20-minute drive up, I believe it's Highway 17, there in South Carolina, in the low country, to Charleston. And I want to see Fort Sumter. Fort Sumter is where the Civil War began. Now, Fort Sumter is now a national park. And if you're ever in Charleston, Charleston is one of the neatest southern cities here in the U.S. Just a neat place to visit. Wonderful history, if you're a history guy or, or gal. Well, it's owned by the National Park Service. You have to board this massive ferry that takes you out on a boat to see Fort Sumter. And as we're going out there, we, uh, we're riding in the boat, and there's several little islands there in, in the harbor that you're passing. And some of you all know have seen it. Well, one of the islands, it has a cross on it. You say, well, that's odd. Why is there a cross 
in the middle of Charleston Harbor on this little island. Well, naturally, most folks, when you would see that, you would think, and like people are taking pictures of the cross on the boat and, you know, talking about why is this cross here in, in, the, middle of the, in the middle of the island uh, as you're driving by. Well, they, you ask the tour guide, you know, national park people, park ranger, they're just, they're, you're, they're, like, the, they're like men that just they know everything. They just want to talk, 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 and talk. They love for questions. So he's standing there, his microphone, there's like 100 folks there on the little platform, and someone asked the question, what does the cross mean? Did a boating accident occur? Did someone pass away right there? He says, oh, no, a boating accident happened. What happened was there was a gentleman who lived here in Charleston, and he took it upon himself. He, out of his own money, he wanted to build a cross, I guess for all the people that knowing are coming in, um, and this isn't a little cross, this is a massive cross out there, for his faith, so everybody passing by will see the cross and a reminder that Jesus died on the cross as they come by for their boats and their ferries and everyone passing through. And he paid for that himself. I thought, what a great witness. And he has to go out there, I guess, have folks go and maintain the cross. Make sure it's in good condition, it's nice and clean, it's a huge white cross. And I thought, that is a man with conviction. He took his own time, his own money, his own resources, and it's such a remote rural island, you know, no one's going to go out there and knock out because it's not really a pot people island that people live on. It's just out in the middle, of the middle of the water. But what a witness that guy has. His story is being told for every single time someone goes to Fort Sumter. They're going down hearing about that white cross right in the middle of Charleston Harbor. And that points people to Jesus. Men, I think about that. That example, that boldness that man made, whatever his name is, doesn't matter what his name is, we know what he stands for. And he stands for Jesus. He wants his faith to be boldly proclaimed. Now I share that story because men, do you have that same type of conviction? Does your family know? Does your wife know? Do people you work with know where you stand in your relationship with God? David said here, you've put more joy in my heart than you have when their grain and their new wine abound. What brings most joy to your heart? Is it your faith in God or is it Something, something went really well in your life and it was an increase and you got more, more money, more things, a new activity, a new toy. God is saying, David is saying, your passion, your desire, your joy is found in Jesus Christ. Last verse here. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. God is saying, you rest in Him when you lay down at night, men, women, you sleep in peace. Your evening prayer, for you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. We should not go to bed every night scared to death. If you are a saved, born-again believer, saved by the blood of Jesus, if that's your last night to lay your head down, and you're the first time you wake up, and say you have a heart attack in the middle of the night, you should have confidence that you will open your eyes 
and look at Jesus. We go to bed in safety. We do not live in fear. We do not live as frightful men. There's a boldness with the man of God who is faithful to God. I don't want you to turn there, but I want to show you about Jesus' prayer life. I have it up here on the screen. It's in Luke chapter 6, because we talked, we're talking about the importance of praying at night. Praying while you fall asleep and reflecting on God. Look up here at this. This is Luke chapter 6, verse 12. During those days, this is about Jesus. This is how Jesus calls and chose His twelve disciples. And look what He did. When He made a major decision, when He wanted to do something, He didn't do it like that. He took time to spend His night with the Lord. He went up to the mountain. What does He do at the mountain? Does He go sightseeing? Does He go hiking? No, He didn't do that. Jesus went up to the mountain and it says He's prayed and He spent all night in prayer to God. What an example. Let me say that again. Jesus spent all night in prayer to God. That meant if he was about to do something important. I want to tell you something, parents, grandparents. Do you have a family member who's not saved? Do you know if someone's not saved, do you know what the Bible says, what happens to them? They go to an eternal fire. The Bible calls it hell. Someone who is not saved, who does not know Jesus, who is not living for the Lord, they are not going to heaven. If they die in the middle of the night, they open their eyes, they will not see heaven. They will be condemned. Jesus condemns them because they do not have a relationship with the Lord. Have you spent, would you be willing to pray for your family, your spouse, your wife, your husband, your children to get saved? Would you do it all night? Would you have that much time to say, you know what, I'm not going to bed tonight. I'm going to spend the next eight hours on my knees praying for my lost family members to get saved. Jesus did that, but He didn't pray for their salvation. He's about to pray for guidance and wisdom. This is God. If God can spend all night in prayer, if He's setting an example, surely that's for us. Look at verse 13. When daylight came, so that's when He got up from His prayer, He summoned His disciples and He chose 12 of them, whom He also named apostles. The word disciples and apostles are interchangeable in the Bible. It's referring to these 12 people. Verse 14. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Even Jesus selected someone who was not saved, Judas Iscariot, who's a traitor. Eleven out of twelve of those men were faithful and loyal. He couldn't even get a unanimous group. He couldn't even get twelve guys totally committed. Only eleven were. Judas betrayed him. What's important about that passage? Jesus spent all night at the mountain. And I want you all to know tonight, tying this in with Father's Day, men, you use your nights 
Use your evenings for God. David said he would lay down, he was silent, and he thought about the Lord. From the Old Testament, in Psalm chapter 4, we see David praying at night. He trusted in God for his protection. He knew, Lord, my life is in your hands. My purpose is found with you. Then we turn over to our New Testaments, and we see Jesus, who's spending all night in prayer for a major decision. I want you to know, if you are about to make a major decision in life, a major decision might be maybe who you're going to marry, seeing your children saved, maybe joining and changing and belonging to a church, making a, making a move, maybe you're purchasing a new house, moving to a new city, maybe you're joining the military, whatever it would be, going to college. If you are going to make a major decision, changing jobs, men, women, you need to give, the, uh, give a night to God saying, I'm going to spend this night in praying to God that He will give me wisdom and guidance about what to do about this situation. If you don't do that, you could miss what God is trying to tell you because you didn't give Him the time that He wanted. If Jesus does it, if King David in the Old Testament, if he's doing it at night, surely you can be doing it too. So what does a godly father look like? A godly father is a man that gives his evenings, his nights to the Lord. You commit your nights to the Lord, not nights of in endlessly watching sports and TV, mindless activity on the computer. You give that time to God. You know, today is actually the longest day of the year. So there's actually less night tonight. You know, starting tomorrow, the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So I guess if you were to have a time for prayer, if you were going to pray throughout the night, the best night to do it might be tonight. Because there's the least amount of darkness. Now, if it's December 20th, the longest night of the year, you're going to be praying extra four or five hours. I share this because our time in the evenings, God is saying, will you let me take over your nights? We are not fearful. We do not go through our life practicing worthless pursuits. The Bible tells us, I want to read this verse again in closing, because I don't want you to miss this. Latter part of verse 2. How long, because I want you to answer this question personally. This is your personal question God is asking you. Look at that second question. How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Men, how are you going to answer that question? How long, God is asking, will you love what is worthless? Our worth. Our being, our existence, it's found in the Lord. We need to quit pursuing a lie and living selfishly and living as men and women for God. I want you to respond to God. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm even going to lead us in an opportunity. I shared earlier that at every single 
VBS, I give those children opportunity to pray and receive Jesus. Well, maybe this is your one day right here for VBS. So I want you to have that same opportunity to pray and respond to Jesus. Maybe you've been pursuing that worthless lie, just meaningless things in life that have no value. And God today is calling you home. Give your nights to God. You're faithful and you respond to Him. Jesus woke up from that prayer that morning. And what did He do? He took action. He said, all right, 12 men, you are my guys. Let's get to work. And His ministry started right there. A night of prayer is what many of us need. Your first step, though, is giving your life to Jesus. Then every night you give to God. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. If you want to get saved this morning, I'm going to say a sinner's prayer. It's the prayer that we cry out to God and He hears our prayer and He answers it. You pray along to yourself. God can read your heart. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I need You. I have done wrong. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. From this day on, I'm yours. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. If you said that prayer, and you meant it, God heard that prayer, and He saves you. We close every single worship service here at Broadway Baptist Church with an invitation to respond to God. David responded to God. In Psalm 4, he went to sleep confidently, trusting in the Lord. Jesus responded to God. He called 12 men to be His disciples. And they left everything and followed Him. This morning, here on Father's Day, God is calling you to respond to Him. If you said that prayer, I want you to walk forward. We're going to have baptism very soon here at church. Maybe you need to get baptized. That's your next step. Or maybe you need to make Broadway Baptist Church. We are so blessed to have a wonderful church here at Broadway. I believe we do the best VBS in this entire city. You're not going to find a better set than this. You're looking for a church home. There's no better church than this church for you and your family. They will learn this book right here. They'll learn about Jesus. They'll learn how to know Him as their Savior. Let's stand together. This is your opportunity to respond to Jesus. I'll be standing down front waiting for you.